All right, today's lesson is a really hard one, or at least it is for me, it's about forgiveness. It's still in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus is talking in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. It may sound a little different than normal, because I'm not reading from the English Standard Version, I've, I've slipped back to the New American Standard for just a little while. And this is what it says, it's for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, he says, then your Father will not forgive you. That's sort of a scary thought to me. I don't know about you, but uh, I've, I've got some issues in the forgiveness department. I mean, I do. I, you know, I can lie to you and pretend like I'm something special, but I'm really not, you know, and you know that got issues in the forgiveness department most of the times I get over things pretty quick get on my nerves insult me whatever and we we're all right but you know there's a couple of things that have happened in my life that I'm not particularly thrilled about and there's a couple of people in this life that if I think of them for more than a minute I can get just as mad as the day that the event occurred it can get very very angry and I have to go back to God and talk to him about it again. And I'm sure I've talked to, it enough, talked to him enough about it that I'm probably on his last nerve. But I have to keep coming back because I can't do it on my own. Robert Fulgham wrote a book a bazillion years ago called All I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And there's a little lesson that we're going to deal with today that comes, that, that works with this whole childhood angle. A forgiven person forgives. I want you to remember that. That's what we're talking about. The whole sermon's about that. A forgiven person forgives. And it's true just about, you know, when you think about your childhood, everything I really needed to know, I learned in kindergarten. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, right? And that's Jesus' words, not mine. Unless you become like a child, um, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So I thought about that. You guys know, we've talked about it before, that I scrapped a lot when I was a kid. For those of you who aren't accustomed to Southern English, that means that we fought. And we would get together and we'd play ball or some kind of game. Have y'all ever had a pine cone battle with green pine cones? I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you are... <coughs> Excuse me, when you are serious about a pine cone battle, you don't use the brown ones because when you throw them, you know, they got, they got air space and it slows them down. You get the green ones and when those boys hit you, you know you've been hit. And see, what would cause the fight was, is there was this little unspoken rule that you never hit in the face. But if I got mad enough at you, I might slip. And when that thing hit you in the face, number one, it felt like getting hit by a baseball. And then it felt like getting hit by a baseball that had a million little prickles in it. And once you got hit, I mean, it was on like popcorn. Here we go. We are rolling on the ground. There's spit. There's slobber. There's blood. There's fists. There's a little bit of fussing going on. We roll around in the dirt. And eventually, either somebody pins somebody and wins, or both of the guys get so tired that they just can't go on anymore. And then the fight's over. And you walk around for a minute and everybody's got, the, you know how guys do, you know, walk around for a minute and sort of, and then the next thing you know, we're playing ball again. And I'm on the same team as the guy that I just had the fight with. 
And now we're pulling for each other and we're trying to win the game and we are friends again. It's like it never even happened. And then we get to be adults. Oh man, and what happens when we get to be adults, right? When we get mad at each other, sometimes over nothing. Over nothing. I had a conversation this week with somebody that lives a long way away from here. And they said, you know, I went to this thing and, and they didn't even speak to me. Well, I don't know. Maybe they didn't see you. Maybe they were busy. Maybe they were sick. Maybe they didn't want to throw up on you. I don't know what it was. But are you really going to be mad because they didn't speak to you? And yet that's what we do as adults, isn't it? And we will get mad at somebody over nothing. And we will stay mad forever over these things. Do we really understand what forgiveness means? What does it really mean to forgive? Dictionary, all right? To give up resentment of or claim to requital for. Now, we're not lawyers. The word requital doesn't ring a bell with me. Had to look that one up. It says something given in return, compensation or retaliation. So to forgive someone means that we give up our resentment or we give up our right to gain something in return for what that person did to us. I give up my right to retaliate. I give up my right to expect anything from them at all. Or as the Serve Pro commercial says, like it never really happened. That's what forgiveness is. I read this this week, says the effect of forgiveness is to restore to its former state the relationship that was broken by sin. And I'm careful with that because sin is one of those words. It's a church word. We don't really hear it out in public anywhere. If you go back and you read the Lord's Prayer that we studied last week, it says, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you look in the King James, it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you look in the New Living Translation, it says, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. What is a sin? What is a sin? I went back to the dictionary, got a wonderful definition of sin. Are you ready for it? It's really a good definition of sin. It is an action. What I keep telling you all about feelings. Feelings. Listen, if you are living by your feelings, you are going to mess up. Life isn't feelings. Love isn't feelings. Sin isn't feeling. Sin is an action. Okay, so sin is an action. Sin is an action, if I can find my place. Where did it go? Okay. Sin is an action that either is or is perceived to be highly reprehensible. It is an action that either is or is perceived to be highly reprehensible. So sins can happen between us and God because when we do something that offends the holiness of God, it is highly reprehensible to him. And then we can do things to each other that are highly reprehensible to each other. I could go around the room, couldn't I? 
And I bet I could start and hit every person in the room and you could name something that's, that has happened in your life that either you did to somebody that was highly reprehensible or they did to you that was highly reprehensible. And I like the word reprehensible. That's a good one. Not only if you could spell it, you'd get a lot of points in Scrabble. But I'm telling you, this word carries something. A lot of the things that we break fellowship over, a lot of the things that we get angry with each other about, do they really amount to a hill of spit under a hot July sun? Think of the things that we get angry about, the things that you are angry at some, and I know somebody in here is, probably half of us are angry at somebody about something this morning. Does it rise to the level of being a reprehensible thing? She didn't speak to me. You know what? That ain't reprehensible, brother. Reprehensible. A sin is reprehensible. Do our sins measure up to that word? Now, I suspect that some of us have sins that have been perpetrated against us that are reprehensible, but I imagine most of us don't. And either way, a forgiven person forgives. A forgiven person forgives. I worry about us. Man, some of us have been in church since we were knee-high to a toad. You know, we've heard the stories over and over and over and over again. I remember the day that the Lord saved me. All of heaven came down. I am happy and free. I know the day and the hour and the moment that I was saved. I can lay it down on a piece of paper inscribed in the front of my Bible. It's the date that I was baptized. I got a little certificate that says that I was dunked and raised on this particular day. I know what to say. I know how to say it. I know when to say it. And yet I wonder when we do all of this stuff, knowing our church song and dance, have we ever stopped to consider just what it was that we were forgiven for? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever looked in the mirror and truly considered what you have done before the eyes of God and stood broken in front of him because of it? Mostly we are either anesthetized by entertainment or anesthetized by work, or we're just so happy that we're not like them and have to live like they do. Our society is allergic to introspection. We don't want to look. We don't want to look under the rocks of our lives and see what is lurking there. We open the door to our closets and we know, we know that we know that we know that when we open the door of our closets, we don't have skeletons in there. We have monsters that are real and they're alive and they will eat us alive if we're not careful. We know that. And so we keep the door closed because we don't want to see because we think we need to have our church faces on. Have you, how would you feel if everything you had ever done was put in public? You know who I feel sorry for? Anthony Weiner. I do. I feel sorry for Anthony. I feel sorry for Bill Clinton. K 
Can you imagine? Some of y'all don't remember the Clinton years. We'll fill you in later. You probably don't remember Anthony Weiner, but he wasn't that long ago. But here are some guys who, who think that who think that they really are God's gift to somebody and they're being all macho and being themselves and they're tweeting out pictures of themselves and all of this kind of stuff to people thinking that it's private. I'm just sending you a little tweet. She'll get the tweet and she'll think, ooh, I'm Joe Studley. And back and forth we'll go and everything's cool. And then one day you turn on the television and there's a picture of you. I'm telling you guys, I don't know how the women feel about this. But I am terrified of the thought of having to walk into my bride and saying, honey, don't turn on Fox News tonight. I don't want you to see what's on. <laughs> she took that gun course, and I'm telling you, she was pretty good. <laughs> I was very surprised that my bride had such good aim. And gentlemen, don't be fooled for a minute. My bride told me that your brides shot pretty good too. Oh, but can you imagine what it would be like to have all of your dirty laundry laid out there? And I think to myself when I see these things happen, there but for the grace of God go I. Because I know the monsters that lurk in my closet. I cringe because of that. And then when I stand before a holy God or sit before a holy God, I realize from Hebrews that there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There is one that knows everything he witnessed you doing it. And I wonder when I, when I talk about things like this in the sermon, I wonder if you go home wondering, man, I wonder what he's done, you know? What's this guy done that's so bad that, that he, he talks about this kind of stuff? Let me, let me share it with you. Nothing worse than what you've done. nothing any worse we all stand guilty before God a forgiven person forgives Jesus is saying forgiveness comes very hard to a person who doesn't understand what they've been forgiven Jesus is saying if you don't forgive people maybe you don't understand what has been done for you all right, flip over to Colossians. You're going to go to Colossians 3 in your Bible. Colossians 3, we're going to do 9 through 13 real quick. I'm only going to look at a couple of little things in there. There's about two weeks worth of stuff to look at, but we're only going to look at a couple. Colossians 3. Starting with verse 9, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, 
Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Now, verse 12, two things to see. The first one, he says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, since we've been forgiven our highly reprehensible acts before God, we are now considered by him holy and beloved, like it never even happened. You see, when Adam sinned, Jesus came, died on the cross, and for those who believe, trust him as their Savior, we go back to a state of like Adam was in the Garden of Eden, like the fall never even happened. We are holy and beloved in his sight. What God, what we broke, God has put back together. We were dead. Now we are alive. He lives in us. But now there's two more words right after that that say put on. This is where we have to do something. I'm going to keep saying this, and I'm probably going to say it for years and years and years because the church is the only place that you're going to hear this. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is an action. Feelings follow actions. Feelings follow actions. It should not be the other way around. When someone wrongs you, this is not rocket science. You will not feel like forgiving them. And you know it as well as I do. When somebody wrongs you, you will not want to forgive them. Forgive them anyway. Whether they ask for your forgiveness or not whether they are contrite or not, whether they are humble or not. Forgive them regardless of how you feel. Making them pay is not your job. Remember what we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, that I am crucified in Christ. I am buried in Christ. My old nature is dead. When he raised me back to life, he put his spirit in me. When someone does something against me, who are they going against? Christ in me. It's his job to do the retaliation revenge is his vengeance is mine saith the lord we like to we like to quote pastor i can't forgive and forget i don't know who came up with that saying but i believe that that is stupid i'm supposed to use fatuous not stupid i'll get better no you can't forgive and forget if you could forgive and forget, you wouldn't be human. And then I'd be scared of you. None of us can forgive and forget. He doesn't say, the scripture doesn't say forgive and forget. The scripture says forgive. And that's all it says is forgive. And then we want to get into the ridiculous arguments because we always go to the big arguments to try to prove our points. Well, pastor, what about the murderer, the rapist, the abuser? Am I just to forgive them and let them go? You're to forgive them. 
We are to forgive them. Now, they get to reap the consequences of their actions. Forgiveness does not mean that the consequences of their actions go away. They should be prosecuted. They should be punished. It's the role of the state to do that. Go to Romans 13, read that. I think it's verse 4 that it speaks specifically about the state wielding the sword. Go back and read that and understand that, yes, they should be punished. The consequences should be there. When you do something, when you go out and you do something reprehensible, God can forgive you for that and he will forgive you for that. But you're still, as the commercial says, there's still going to be pain because there will still be consequences. Consequences are there, but we have to forgive. We have to give up our resentment. We have to give up our right to get something in return. You don't owe me anything. I forgive you. Now, I agree with you that that sounds like a lot of pie in the sky and a sweet by and by. And I agree with you 100% that that sounds like to me that that's an ideal that we should all strive for. That's what we like to use in the church, you know. This is an ideal, you know, God knows that we're not perfect, so this is an ideal that we're all supposed to strive for this. We, he knows that we're not going to make it, but we should strive for this. But I want to read this to you again here. He says, um, he says in this, for if you forgive others, for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Did I hear anywhere in there that he said, here is an ideal to live by? Did I miss it? He says, do it. This is what I mean. A forgiven person forgives. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not 100% sure. In fact, I'm almost positive that there are things that I cannot forgive. Ooh, don't sound like preacher talk, does it? Man, if something happened to one of my kids, if something happened to my wife, Lord Jesus in heaven, help you. I'd have a hard time forgiving. So what am I going to do? In verse 10, and have put on the new self who is being renewed. Do you hear these three words? Is being renewed. They're passive, they're not active. That means that something's happening to me. I am not causing it to occur. I am being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So I choose to forgive and then I go to Jesus. And I go to Jesus because frankly, I've got nowhere else to go. Because he's the only one that can make this happen. See, I am forgiven. I am dead to my old self. I'm alive now in Christ Jesus. I am being renewed to think and act like he acts. I go to him and I pour my heart out to him that I cannot do this. Jesus, I hate them. I despise the ground they walk on. And I wish you would bash their head against the rocks. And whatever they did to me or my people, I want you to do it to them ten times worse. 
but you tell me I have to forgive them. And I don't know how. So you better get busy. Because I want to follow you and not the father of lies. You better show me how to do this because I can't do it on my own, Jesus. I know everything you've forgiven me of. I know, I know, and you remind me all the time, Jesus, but I don't know. You've got to help me. And the scripture says that I am being renewed and that he will ask and give to those who ask and that is his will because he tells me to do this and he will answer my prayer. And I may have to go back and I may have to go back and I may have to go back. But see, here's the beauty of this thing. The more I focus on him, less I focus on you. And he'll make me clean. And he'll make me whole. And one day I'll find that I've forgiven the person because he brought it about in me. Let yourself off the hook. There's a lot of things that God calls us to do that is impossible for us to do. That's why we go to the one who can make it happen. I have Christ in me. I trust him to teach me how to forgive anybody that does something to me. Because he can. Because he did. He forgave you. And Father, forgiveness is very, very hard for us. But no one knows that better than you. Cause us all who are redeemed to remember how much we've been forgiven. Help us to be ecstatic for being free from the stench and the rot of our reprehensible acts. Help us to view, help us to view our accusers through your eyes. Help us to realize that everyone is just as broken as I am. Teach us to forgive. Ride close to us, Lord, because this one is way too hard for us. But it is something you know how to do. Father, as I was thinking of this prayer, you brought this song to my mind. Old hymn. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, thine own may I be. Thou in me dwelling, and I one with thee. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior. Amen. This morning, Jesus will be your Savior. If you've never trusted him as your savior, if you've never turned to him and said, I believe what you're saying is true and I will follow you. I want you to change my life. This morning he'll do that for you. For God so loved the world, you know the scripture. I don't know that there's a person on the planet that hasn't heard it at some point, I guess. Whosoever will. 
This morning, I ask you, if you're struggling with your past, that's because Christ is talking to you right now, saying, I can forgive that. I will make you brand new. I will make you clean. Your part in the whole drama is to say, Lord, make me clean. I invite you to do that this morning. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. I'm going to ask you if you would, if, you're make, if you are trusting Christ as your Savior, you've never told anybody, come forward. Let's tell the world. Let's baptize you according to the Scriptures. If you want to join the church, you can come forward. If you want to pray, the altar's open. Pray in your seats. You've got just a couple of minutes left, and then the world swallows you alive again.